Section three of Neighbourhood A Year's Life in and About an English Village by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two February Part one From where my old house stands, behind its double row of lindens at the top of the green, you can see well nigh all that is happening in Windlecombe sitting at the writing-table in the great bay window you get an uninterrupted view down the length of the village street from the windows right and left through a trellis of bare branches in winter and in summer through gaps in the greenery you overlook the side alleys where dwell the less profoundly respectable the more free and easy of windlecombe folk and in the rear beyond my garden and little orchard there is the farm rickyard and barn and dwelling-house all crowded together on the green hillside bestrewn with grazing cattle cocks and hens innumerable all of the snow-white breed gobbling turkeys and guinea-fowl that cry come back come back every waking moment of their lives all the oldest houses in windlecombe are gathered round the village green here amidst its thicket of live oak and yew the church tower rears its bluff grey stones against the sky its clock face with the one gilded hour hand minutes are of no account in windlecombe turned to catch the last light of evening the parsonage the village shop the forge and wheelwright's yard a dozen or more of ivy smothered tenements stand at easy intervals round the oblong of the green there is the little sweetstuff shop at the far corner side by side with the cobbler's den and beyond them the inn juts boldly out half across the roadway silhouetting its sign against the distant bright patch of river which flows at the foot of the hill i often wonder how other villagers get on without a green in windlecombe all the life of the place seems to culminate here on summer evenings everyone drifts this way at some time or other for a quiet stroll or a chat with friends on the seats under the seven sisters a group of gnarled scotch pines almost in the centre of the green even in winter i seldom look forth and see it entirely deserted except in school hours there are always children playing upon it and the old men whose work in the fields is done hold here daily a sort of informal club whenever the sun shines but the old women i never see all their lives long their activities and interests have been centred in the home and now they spend the dusk of their days consistently by the firesides on weekdays the fairest summer weather has no power to tempt them abroad up to seventy or so they can be seen creeping over the green towards the church on sunday mornings 
but it is duty not desire that has drawn them from their burrows for the rest of the week they sit most of them stitching tiny scraps of silk and cotton together it seems to be an indispensable condition of future bliss with all the old women in sussex that each should finish a patchwork quilt before she dies there comes a morning in the year generally in early february when the fact that the days are getting longer is suddenly driven in upon your consciousness as though the change had come about in a single night at the touch of some magician's wand a long spell of gloomy weather ends in a crisp bright dawn through the chinks in the blind the sun casts quivering spots of gold upon the wall you wake from your dreams and immediately know that life has become a different thing from that of yesterday throwing the casements back there comes in upon you a flood of new light new air new melody it is barely eight o'clock and already the sun is high over windle hill the thrushes have given up their winter piping and have begun to sing in the old glad way linking half a dozen sweet notes in a phrase together and pouring it out over and over again the air has the savour of warm earth in it the scent of green growth and looking down at the flower borders in the garden you see sheaves of snowdrops breaking up through the soil and the first crocuses yielding their treasure to the first bees Today, though it was only the first of february just such another morning startled me from sleep and sent me out of doors tingling to the finger-tips with this new spirit of wonder at a changed order of things over windlecombe in the level sunlight half a hundred violet plumes of smoke rose into the calm air from the smithy came the steady chime of tom clemmer's anvil the pit-saw was droning in the wheelwright's yard up at high barn they were thrashing wheat and the sound might have been that from a great cathedral organ so far off that nothing but the deep notes of the pedal pipes could reach the ear but though all these sounds denoted humanity astir and busy at the day's task to the eye there was no sign of any one abroad i was as much alone as crusoe on his island and just as free to wander where i would i skirted the green and turned in at the churchyard gate everywhere between the crowding stones the grass was white with dew glittering water-bells rimmed every leaf and trembled at the tip of every twig the old yew dripped solemnly in its shadowed corner down the face of each memorial stone tiny runnels coursed like tears it was strange to see how the dewdrops obliterated all vestige of natural colour in the grass 
and yet lent it a thousand alien hues as i moved slowly along sparks of vivid green and crimson orange and blue flashed incessantly amidst the frosted silver turning my back to the sunshine all these colours vanished and the glittering quality of the dew was lost now it was just a dead white field crossed and recrossed with lines of emerald where the foraging birds had left their tracks but all round the head of my shadow that stretched giant-like before me there was still a shining circle of light i remembered to have read somewhere of one of the religious painters in the middle age who accounted himself divinely set apart from his fellows by reason of a halo which he said appeared at certain seasons about him as he walked in the fields probably he saw then what i saw this morning but being an artist he won inspiration new freshets of saintly energy from what to the ordinary unemotional sinner would be no more than an interesting natural fact towards afternoon quite a little throng of ancient folk gathered on the benches under the seven sisters drawn thither by the sunny mildness of the day sauntering about on the green hard by i could hear the low hum of their voices and at last i took a place almost unobserved on one of the outer seats a little distance from the group eavesdropping even in its most innocent form hardly comes into the category of virtues but in any serious attempt to study country life and character it must be reckoned almost a necessary vice i confess in this respect not only to having yielded to it as a lifelong irresistible habit but to having cultivated it on many occasions as an art the english peasant under open observation is no more himself than a wild bird in a cage and these old folk in particular needed as much wary stalking down as any creature of the woodland settled myself quietly now behind a newspaper in the corner my presence if it had been marked at all was soon forgotten and the talk began again among the group in the usual desultory pondering style talk in the ancient dialect of sussex such as you will hear to-day only in the most out-of-the-way villages and then only among those with whose passing it also must pass irrevocably away daniel dray the old wheelwright was tapping his stick reflectively on his boot-toe keeping time with the song of the pit-saw in the neighbouring yard where young daniel was mightily at work by his side sat tom clammer the elder his bleak grey eyes far away in space all the rest of the company were studying the horizon in much the same distraught silent fashion 
a very old but still hearty man in a wide blue suit was chipping at a plug of sailor's tobacco with a jackknife and smiling to himself at length the smile developed into a rich chuckle <laughs> dan'l said he now you have spoke a true word if never afore so they be dan'l so they be ay and all round the world tis the same worm don't i know he made a telling pause at the question and then not half he added in solemn irony as he struck a match on his hindermost surge the old wheelwright stretched himself luxuriously in the sunshine i knows norna frenchies and blackamoors and such like said he but a sussex maid ah the exclamation long drawn out was echoed round the circle old tom clemmer turned argumentatively in his seat ay real purty dan'l purty enough he agreed you were in luck's way as i minds well was said by all the folk forby tis so long ago but fags man we hadn't all had your fortune and bright eyes what says master grimble there a thin high voice quavered out from the end of the bench for full five minutes it hovered in mid-air like a long drawn-out treble note on a violin ay true tom never a word of a lee tom but twere nane o' my doin as many's the time i ha told ye stavisham fair twere e fifty-three as i first seed her all is sky blue and spangles with the lights flarin and the drooms bustin and the trumpets blowin and such a crowd o gay folk as never got together afore in the world wunk a did at me and i wunk back then a wunk again and twere all o'er neighbours we got church board the follerin sunday and home i fetched her all within the month and then tom ye knowed helt fell out six weeks o it we had together and then off her goes after us old caravan again and i goes for a soldier and name but the girt goodness knows whether i be married man or widow man to-day the faint shrill voice ceased a lean old man with a chubby face and eyes of so pale a blue that they seemed almost colourless in the rich yellow light of the afternoon had been intently listening a trembling hand to each ear he wore a spotless white round frock and was punctiliously unnaturally clean in all other respects now he brought his fingertips softly together and stared at the sky in an ecstasy of reminiscence eighteen thousand happy days said he triumphantly again six weeks of rough and tumble poor george ah well a day 
but tis so neighbours the reverend a figured it out for jane and me last cattenan time eighteen thou gorm but i should ha lost em all if she hadn't up and spoke out i ne'er had no thought on it true as the sun goes round the sky but jane a gim me a red neckerchief wan hot monday thinks i what's that fur and then a give me a bag of peanuts and says i to myself tis a queer maid surely and then a comes along at harvest time and says she enery doors i had jist heard as old mistress fanny ull give up the malthouse cottage at marmus and seein as how you wants me and i wants you twould be a pity to lose it so let's get arsted in the church directly minute says she with that i put both arms round the red neckerchief as i wore and give me one two three each chop and one in the middle lor bless ye i knowed then what i meant i did i were allers the sort as could see through a brick wall fur as most folk never wanted no more an an int there again said old tom clemmer after a pause ye were another o the lucky ones henry the best o women plunked straight into your eye in a manner o speaking ah but courtin dares one all peanuts and red handkerchers we're some o us henry dear o oh lor what trouble i did had surely he stopped and sat for a while smiling down into the bowl of his pipe and shaking his head but ye got her at last tom said daniel dray softly he stole a commiserate glance round at the other members of the company and had a silent meaning nod from each old tom clemmer blushed then laughed outright <laughs> true Dan'l, and well i recommembers the day as i first come to windlecombe up to the farmers yonder though tis forty year ago all her a heap i were soon as i set eyes on her churn maid says i to myself twon't be long afore ye summat better than that down at the old forge cottage long o me come sunday i runs agin her on the litten path man and mary says i and gives her the marigolds i'd pick for her out of my own gay ground and down a throws em in the mud and off without so much as word or look ah a proud fine maid a were to be sure and all tom clemmer knocked out his pipe upon his crutch then he threw an exultant glance about him what might a man do then you'd think well as marigolds warn't no good i tries laylocks not a bit on it geraniums wuss and wuss roses never so much as a sniff summat useful thinks i 
but they little spring onions as i tied up in a bunch with yaller ribbon and hung on the dairy gate for her there they hung till they was yeller too then i has a grand idee off i goes to stavisham and buys a girt big hamber brooch and a silver necklace what weighed down my pocket carrying of it and a spanglorious golden wedding ring now my gal we'll just see says i all the way home i bides quiet till sunday then i hides a hent the girt elver tree and pops out upon her sudden like as a comes along i offers her the brooch get out of my way says she tis just a common halfpenny fairin no tis hamber tis real purty i says and brings up stock still then out comes the necklace and down went as good books slap in the dirt oh tis kind of ye blacksmith says she catchin hold on it ah but what thinks you o this here says i but i won't gee it ye yet a while cause tis unlucky for a maid to hae the ring afore the day lor what eyes i had surely i thought a bit then says she thomas clemmer how much hae you got laid by and soon as i told her says she i'll hae ye tom darlin for i never loved name but you ah well well most unaccountable tis how the very words comes back to ye arter years and years he fell into a brown study out of which he presently came with a jerk four o'clock never gorm how high the sun be i must be getting home along he rose upon his one serviceable foot fitted the other foot a shapeless bundle of linen into the sling that hung from his neck seized his crutches and stumped placidly away there was a direct path from the seven sisters across the green to tom clemmer's cottage but he always came and went by the roundabout route through the churchyard for the excellent but frugal-minded mrs clemmer had lain there under a home-made iron cross and a carefully tended bed of marigolds these twenty years back living year after year in windlecombe i have come by old habit to associate with each month that passes its own characteristic changes and events february always stands in my mind for three great ebullitions of the year's life equally wonderful in their several ways the coming of the elm blossom the earliest clamorous music from the lambing pens and the first rich song of the awakening bees through my study window all this week of warm glittering showery weather i have watched the elm trees about the churchyard gradually lose their sharp clear-cut outline of winter and dissolve into the misty softness of spring already the tree-tops are so dense 
that the blue sky can barely penetrate them this change is not caused by the expanding leaf buds but by the opening of the myriad blossoms which come and go before the leaf their colour is a magnificent sombre purple and the whole tree stands up in the sunshine clad in this gorgeous raiment from its bowl to its highest twig an imperial garment reminding you in more ways than one of ancient rome and its caesars for there is little doubt that the elm is no british tree but was brought to us by the romans all those centuries ago with so many other good things in the deep pockets of rich soil which have sifted down to the valleys and in the shallower soil of our chalk hills almost every species of forest tree makes generous growth but perhaps nothing takes so kindly to highland sussex conditions as the elm the village gardens are fringed about with its beautiful wide-spreading shapes and in summer griddled over with its long blue shadows but no tree stands within a distance of its own height from any dwelling hard experience has taught men that the elm is undesirable as a near neighbour of all trees it is the most comely because it is never symmetrical but it owes this picturesque trait to a habit intolerable in a close acquaintance not only does the elm cast its great branches to earth at all times and without creak or groan of warning but during the season of the equinoctial gales you never know when the whole tree may not come toppling over in a moment measuring its vast length on the ground with a sound like the impact of the heaviest wave that ever thundered against beachy head it was so that the king of windlecombe the oldest and mightiest elm through half the county came down one pitch-black tempestuous night in a september of long ago none of the children nor many of the younger folk in the village now remember the king where he towered up beyond the east wall of the churchyard and every sunset threw his vast shadow halfway up the coombe but they are all familiar with the story of his downfall a wild night it was every window shook in its frame every chimney was an organ-pipe for the wind's blowing the sound of the rain on roof and wall was like an incessant hail of musketry thatches were stripped off the ensign went clattering down the street the gilt weathercock on the church tower took a list that it has kept to this day no one dared go abroad that night but families sat close at home keeping shoulder to shoulder in timorous company and dreadfully wondering what it was like at sea had you need to speak you must shout your words so great was the din of the hurricane all night it raged undiminished and no one slept some even would not venture to bed 
not knowing but the roof might be plucked off any moment as they lay and let the drenching torrent in upon them then as the first grey tinge of dawn blanched in the eastern sky high above the voice of the storm came one tremendous booming note as though the earth had split asunder and with the light people looked out and saw that the king of windlecombe was down end of section three